Ladies and gentlemen, Listen to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Friday Edition. Anything goes, let's rumble. Yeah, it's your host, Gary Gatehouse, the preacher of conservatism. Uh, we're back in the saddle behind the microphone and we're ready to rock and roll to take on those liberal, socialist, Marxist, communists and put them in their place. Uh, the boys are back in town, that's right. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, so let's lock and load, let's get ready, let's get out into the saddle, and uh, let's get ready to take on, let's get ready to take on those liberals. Let's get ready to shine the light of truth on those uh, little Draculas with their big dark capes covering their eyes and their mouths. (laughs) Hope you people are having a great day out there wherever you're at in God's big beautiful world. It's a hot one down here in Texas today. It's probably about 97 degrees with a real bad case, a bad case of high humidity, which makes it, I don't know, feel like it's 195 or something. I don't know. Sometimes when I walk outside on days like this, I get flashbacks to Vietnam and want to go run back into the house and get a towel and wrap it around my neck and uh, start uh, cussing and raising hell and locking and loading and I don't know. <laughs> Well, like I said, I hope you're having a great day wherever you're at in uh, God's big, beautiful world. I was reading an article, and uh, it was about the Christian flag, God and country, and the idea of a pastor, a guy named Walter Wilson. And he had the idea of God comes first ahead of nation, and that means the stars and stripes will be accorded second place behind the Christian flag. Now, this is reported by WBTV in Charlotte, North Carolina. Pastor Rit Virical is placing the Christian flag at the top with the American flag below it on the flagpole at his Elizabeth Baptist Church in the town of Shelby, North Carolina. He goes on to say, Our typical flag etiquette is to have the American flag above the Christian flag, but when you stop and think about it, it should be our commitment to God first, then our commitment to country, he told the TV station reporter. He admits he got the idea from Pastor Walter Wilson down the road at Focus Missionary Baptist Church. And Pastor Wilson said the idea just just came to him. As I was changing the rope one day, the Lord just laid on me and he, uh, that he is first. And when he told me that, I switched the flags around. I put the Christian flag first and the American flag, oh glory, underneath. Now Pastor Varel has launched a God Before Government website through which our pastors are encouraged to join the movement. There he writes... If there was ever a time when people need to stand up for traditional values and beliefs, it's now. On Sunday, July 5th, Elizabeth Baptist Church in Shelby, North Carolina, took its stand with a flag-raising ceremony that displayed the Christian flag over the American flag. 
This new approach to flag etiquette symbolizes that our service and commitment to God is greater than our service and commitment to government, especially a government that coerces us to violate our commandments handed down by God. He said churches need to start flying the flags in such a manner that it is clear we serve God before government. If your church is willing to join ours, please take a picture of the flagpole at your church, post it on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter using the hashtag, hashtag GodBeforeGovernment, and join the conversation about religious freedom and the role of government in modern-day society. Now, on the site, he advises readers that silence is no longer an option here in America. He recalled a prayer offered to the North Carolina General Assembly in which he said that the sad truth about the church is that it often takes a path of ease when instead it should take the path of resistance, responsibility, and reform. The American church, like the German church of the 1930s and 40s, is free of persecution because it has done little that is worthy of persecution. Now, both pastors told WBTV, They hope to spark a movement across the land, especially in the light of the United States Supreme Court's recent ruling that created homosexual marriage in all 50 states. Variel acknowledged that some claim the move is disrespectful and unpatriotic. But the former Army Ranger brushes it off. He brushes it off and and said, I really don't need a lecture on patriotism. I'm willing to give my life to my country, and I have in the past when I was a ranger. When you think of the military models, for example, God and country, God first, and then country, he said the position of the flag is a symbol symbol that uh, congregations will serve God first. You know, ladies and gentlemen, what do you think about this? You know, as one that served my country in Vietnam, served my country for over 30 years, I've always been taught when it comes to flying the flag protocol, you know, the flag is always at the top of the mast and the flag will never ever be dipped to another nation's flag or any other flag. But there, you know, but the more I think about it, the more I think about what this pastor says, the more I think that God indeed comes first. He created everything, past, present, and future. He helped create or did create our country and it was founded on his teachings of Judeo-Christian beliefs and I would not and I am not offended by what these men of God say about the flag. I would like to hear from all you fellow patriots out there that listen to this show. Now I'm repeating what I said on Monday or it was Wednesday I think, sorry, about this uh, article about flying the Christian flag above the the American flag. Oh, glory. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought about, you know, the protocol that has always been there for the military, for every public building, etc., to never dip the flag, never have the flag standing at a lower level than any other flag. The more I thought about that, and the more I thought about what the pastors have talked about in the movement they're trying to get done, If you really think about it, ladies and gentlemen, if you really, really think about it, God does come first. He comes first in our lives. 
It comes first in every aspect of our life. And that includes saluting the flag. That includes uh, governing laws, etc., that the Congress passes whatever. We all know that the Declaration of Independence includes God, under God, the the, uh, Pledge of Allegiance to the Flag, under God. So what is wrong, really, what is wrong with flying the Christian flag at Christian churches? At Christian churches, Catholic churches, flying the Christian flag above the American flag. I don't see anything wrong with it. Now, when it comes to flying the flag at military units, when it comes to flying the flag at uh, public buildings such as city halls, etc., yes, fly the flag. No other flag below it. But when it comes to churches, when it comes to churches in the United States of America, one can say that the churches have a right because of the way the Christian religion is and what we've been told, God does come first in all aspects of our life. So I see no problem whatsoever with flying the the Christian flag on the flagpole at any Christian church throughout the United States of America, flying that Christian flag first and the American flag underneath it. It doesn't make really any difference as far as protocol goes. We folks who have served in our country, we folks who are Christians, we folks who uh, have always looked at the flag as a representation of our country, of our families, of what we're fighting for, have fought for, will fought, fight for. We know that the flag and the Christian flag, they represent the American people for one reason only. Over 80% of America says it is Christian. Over 80% of America says that they believe in the teachings of God. So I see nothing wrong with flying the flag of the Christian flag above old glory at any church anywhere in the United States that wants to do so. No problem whatsoever. You know, folks, I was thinking today before the show was scheduled to come on and I was thinking about my life as an American. What have I done in all my years as an American that uh, I can point to and say that I am proud of for serving my country, am proud of for standing shoulder to shoulder with fellow Americans and what they have done that worked beside me, worked with me. And I can honestly say when it comes to patriotism, when it comes to love of country, when it comes to service of country, myself, my family my extended family, and all those individuals that I worked with, served with in the military, served with as fellow intelligence operatives all over the world. I can truthfully say and honestly say with a warm, fuzzy feeling in my heart, if you will, that we served our country. We served it and were whenever we were called on to go wherever they told us to go, Wherever they told us to do, whatever they told us to do to serve our country, to protect our fellow Americans, our families, our children, we did it. Without pause, we did it. And I'm proud to say I'm an American. I'm proud to say that I've served my motherland. 
I'm proud to say that I am continuing to serve my motherland behind the microphone, trying to get the word out to as many people as I can throughout the United States and the rest of the world that the United States is still here. We still have our feet firmly planted on God's soil. And there are enough Americans in the United States of America that someday we're going to turn this all around and get America headed into the right direction again. If you will, get us out of the ditch of apathy and depression and hate-mongering and race-baiting and all that stuff that's going on now. We're going to take care of business. We're going to get America back to where it should be, where it once was. All you folks in the United Kingdom, I know you feel the same way about your country. All your patriots over there. All you patriots in Europe, I know you feel the same way about your respective countries. Same way in New Zealand, Australia, Canada, any freedom-loving country in the world. You patriots, you ones that stand up against the tyranny, stand up against the, I don't know, false teachings and hate that is being leveled at you these days. God bless every one of you. God bless you folks in London. God bless you folks in Paris. You folks in Austria, Munich, New Zealand, Australia. God bless you all. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after a Phyllis Schlafly Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Eagle Forum. Mrs. Schlafly is a constitutional attorney, pro-family leader, and the author of more than 20 books, including The Flip Side of Feminism, What Conservative Women Know and Men Can't Say, an important new book that exposes the lies and anti-family agenda of the feminist movement. And now, here's the president of Eagle Forum, Phyllis Schlafly. Republican presidential candidate Carly Fiorina has vowed to hold Hillary Clinton accountable in the 26th election, and so far she seems to be doing a good job of it. One of her favorite talking points has been Hillary's total hypocrisy on the subject of equal pay for equal work. In spite of Clinton's endless rhetoric about how she identifies with the common woman, she can't even seem to hold up to the standards that she tries to impose on everybody else. As Carly Fiorina pointed out in a recent interview, Hillary actually paid her women staffers only 72 cents for every dollar she paid a man during her tenure in the U.S. Senate. That falls well below the national average. How can we expect more government regulation to do anything to help the American people when the loudest promoters of regulation cannot seem to stand by their own statements? Feminist rhetoric today is the same as it's always been. Feminists are obsessed with victimology as the problem of women and affirmative action as the solution. They try to paint the world as being one gigantic male conspiracy against women. We hear endless whining about supposed equal pay for equal work. But what feminists really want is reverse discrimination. It's their goal to impose quotas to give women equal pay for unequal work. When we actually relate earnings to the hours worked and work performed, male and female gender profiles are very different. Men are more likely to work full-time jobs. Women are more likely to work part-time jobs. It's ridiculous to compare earnings without relating them to whether they were produced by full-time or part-time employment. Hillary Clinton should worry about her own staff and stop lecturing others about equal pay. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Eagle Forum. Where can a full-time homemaker make her voice heard? Where can you hear reasoned arguments to counter anti-marriage feminist propaganda? At eagleforum.org, you have complete access to Phyllis Schlafly's blog and her weekly columns and alerts. Add your own comments to the blog at eagleforum.org. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Friday edition, and we'll be back after a few short messages. Paulette Carlson. Veterans Against Drugs is a united effort working with the Vietnam Veterans of America and local anti-drug programs, the clergy, law enforcement, and educators to find ways to reduce the effects of drugs and violence on our youth. Remember the word D-R-U-G-S. Don't ruin useful gifts stupidly. America is depending on its youth for the future and depending on you to support Veterans Against Drugs. Please contact us at bva.org. My dad is my hero. He goes into burning buildings. He finds people inside who need to be saved. He helps them get out, even when he can't breathe or see or is a little scared. My dad is a firefighter, but the best thing he can do is come home. The U.S. Fire Administration reminds you to protect yourself and firefighters. Have smoke alarms on every level and near sleeping areas. Test them monthly. Change batteries as instructed. Install sprinklers. Do your part to get out before firefighters have to come in. The fact is, most fire deaths occur in homes with no working smoke alarms. The good news is, that's a fact we can change. Smoke alarms save lives. Find out more at usfa.dhs.gov. I guess this song could be, uh, I don't know, it could be about Gary Gatehouse. I don't know. Driving in a Pontiac, just about to lose my mind. I was going to Arizona, maybe on to California, where the people all live so fine. Yeah. My baby said I was crazy. My mama called me lazy. She sure I'm did. I'm going to show them all this time. I'm going to do it. Because you No more. I was born to just walk the line. Walk that line. Living on Tulsa time. Tulsa time. Living on Tulsa time. Okie time. Well, you know I've been through it when I set my watch back to it. Living on Tulsa time. You know, folks, Gary Gatehouse has been living on a lot of different times throughout his... <laughs> illustrious career I don't think so but I have been living in a lot of time zones throughout my life all those time zones in the Middle East the Far East down under Europe United States why hell sometimes I had to wear 45 different wristwatches on my arm just to know where in the hell I was at <laughs> yeah, that was before you could set all these different times on one watch. See, that was back in the Stone Age days. 
Back in old school days, that's where old Gary Gatehouse come from. You know, all those people that come back and tried to say something about their country well after, I guess, their time to speak out was wiped out and finished. People like Gary Gatehouse said, "Uh uh-uh, no way. As long as I'm still breathing... As long as I can still move up and down and get this microphone pulled up in front of my mouth, I'm going to speak out against the left. Because you see, I don't like those suckers. I don't like them at all. Because they go against Gary Gatehouse, and I know a lot of you people out there is green. They rub you the wrong way. And all you folks that uh, hang out in the pubs in London at Sit around the table swilling down the beer and having a damn good time with your fellow mates talking about things that's wrong in your country, in England, in the United Kingdom, over there in Europe. And you swear up and down you're going to do something about it and a lot of you are. Like I said before we went to break, good on you. Good on you. You're the folks that's going to lead your country out of the ditch. And there ain't a damn thing wrong with sitting in a nice pub down at Green Man Walking or the Brass Monkey or wherever down there in London or up there in, uh, oh, I don't know, Bradford, down there in Maidenhead, wherever at, Swansea, wherever you're at, over there and over there on the Tyne Tees. Just sitting there having a beer and talking to your mates on what you plan on doing, what you plan on saying, what you plan on trying to get together as a group of people to take your country back. I know you're working diligently to do that. And there's one mate of mine over there that I always single out that has worked his tail off to try to get the United Kingdom, England, back on the straight and narrow. That guy has done so much for England, and I know dang well he don't get enough recognition, along with his mates, Davy and the rest. They've stood tall. They've taught the right way to their mates and to fellow Englishmen the right way, the stiff upper lip way to get England back on the track of their straight and narrow. And that guy would be Mr. Stephen Lang. Yeah, you've heard me refer to him many, many times during my shows. Why do I do that? Why do I do that? First of all, I lived in England for the better part of the 1970s. I fell in love with England. I fell in love with the English people, their attitudes, their way of looking at things. And Mr. Stephen Lang and I have carried on many conversations throughout the years on just what is wrong with America, what is wrong with England and Europe. And we all came to the same conclusions that the wrong people are in charge. The wrong people are trying to lead England and the United States and Europe down the wrong path. And we decided a long time ago that we as Americans, as British, 
as Europeans, whatever, we couldn't take it anymore. We had to stand up and speak out. So what did Mr. Lang do? He went out and he established himself a radio station. Restoration Radio United Kingdom in conjunction with dogsofwarradio.com And those folks picked the ball up and started running with it. Folks like Scarlett and Doc and Outlaw and all those folks over there that worked their tails off for little or no recognition. Well, Gary Gatehouse is giving it to them. Gary Gatehouse is here to say that those are true patriots. Not only of the country of England, not only the United Kingdom, but they are patriots that side with we patriots here in the United States. We're all on the same page. We're all on the same page. We might say things a little bit different and put them a just a little bit different way, but the bottom line is they all come out meaning the same thing. We love our countries. We want our countries back, and we're not going to rest until we uh, uh, obtain or make that mission complete. Now, there's another individual here in America, lives up in Pennsylvania, and his name would be uh, Mr. Billy Van Horn. Same type of idea, same type of approach. Mr. Billy Van Horn is a Christian. Mr. Billy Van Horn is a patriot. And Mr. Billy Van Horn said, I've had enough of this. And Mr. Billy Van Horn went out and established and bought all the hardware and software needed, just as Stephen Lang did, and established his radio station, freedominamerica.com. And you can listen to the freedominamericaradio.com any day, any night, 24-7, he has one hell of a lineup. One hell of a lineup. Christian values, American values, and the people he has on there are all patriots. Every one of them. And all those patriots are not af- afraid to speak out against the left, against the socialist, Marxist, communist left of America and the world just as Stephen Lang and his people are. They speak out at every opportunity. But you see, ladies and gentlemen of America, you people that listen to the Gary Gatehouse radio show, my show is on Restoration Radio United Kingdom. It's on dogsofwar.com. It's on freedominamerica.com, freedominamerica.us, which is another one, another station, that is owned and operated by a true patriot, a true Christian, Mr. V. Greenhoe. And that man has been going through such trials and tribulations over the last four or five years with illnesses and sicknesses in his family, but he never wavered. He never ran and hid from his assigned duties put there by himself to keep his radio station going, freedominamerica.us, and get the word out to the American people on just what the left's up to. And now Mr. Greenhoe is also an accomplished writer. He puts together books, most of it fiction, based really on some truth 
to what's going on present day. Or maybe he ties present and past days in. But you need to go up and read and buy and purchase some of his books. The man is a true genius when it comes to writing. He really is. He's into NASCAR. He's into all kinds of things. But the bottom line, the basis, the foundation for all these individuals I talked about, is they're all Christians. They all believe in their respective countries and they're patriots. They're patriots, ladies and gentlemen. And one last thing before we go to break. Not one of these individuals, not one of these individuals, and that includes Gary Gatehouse, receives one penance, one penny, from anybody to do their shows. And you know how I feel about that? I feel that is great. That is the way to approach getting the truth out to America, out to Europe, out to the United Kingdom, out to England. Because you see, when you don't owe anybody anything, they can't dictate to you what you can say and can't say, or will pull the plug on you. They can't do it. And I love that. I would refuse money. I don't want it. Because I want to be able to stand up, sit down, and pull the microphone up next to me, and talk to you folks just like I was talking to you across the table in the kitchen or in the dining room, or sitting in your living room, or sitting out on your deck, or sitting in a bar having a nice cold beer. I want to be able to talk to you as an American citizen, as a patriot who loves my country just as much as you do. I want to give you the opportunity to listen to the truth that all of these radio stations, freedominamerica.radio.com, freedominamerica.com, freedominamerica.us, Restoration Radio, United Kingdom, dogsofwarradio.com, the GAL Network, from South Texas. We are all in it together to get the word out to America, to Europe, to United Kingdom, to England, to New Zealand, Australia, Canada, all free people everywhere, all patriots everywhere, that we know what's going on with the left, and we're going to tell you about it. No spin involved. This comments and commentary coming from conservative people who love their country. This is Gary Gatehouse, and I'll be back after a few short messages. If you don't clean up your room... The Board of Health is going to condemn it. The Board of Health doesn't even know about your room. What's more, they don't care. You know, if you keep making that face, it's going to freeze that way. Not unless you're someplace really, really cold. Actually, a lot of the warnings moms hand out are a bit exaggerated. If you don't get your blood pressure checked, you could have high blood pressure, not even know it, and you could die from a stroke. But she's right about that one. Fact is, high blood pressure contributes to 200,000 American deaths each year. And a third of those who have high blood pressure don't know it. If they did, it'd be simple to treat. Call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit AmericanHeart.org on the web to learn more. Better still, ask your doctor to check your blood pressure. If you run with those scissors... It's the least you can do. 80. 
30. 50. Every mile brings us closer. 25. Every mile in a city near you. 75. Help us stop diabetes. 100. Join the Tour de Cure. 60. Register to ride. 36. Or sponsor a rider. 50. Call 1-888-DIABETES or visit us online at diabetes.org forward slash tour. How many miles will you ride? 25. Now you Christians out there, all you folks that have lost loved ones this year or in the past, this is I Have. This song and the lyrics mean a lot. They mean a lot to me. Have a listen. My racing My strongest trials now are past. My triumph has begun. Oh, come, angel bear, come and around me stand. Oh, bear me away on your snow white wings. Do Now, in the four, last four years, I've lost my mother and I've lost my brother, Jim. I know they're in a better place, and I hope to join them someday. But until then, we wage the battle. We continue the battle against evil and saints. Hallelujah. You know, patriots, if you really think about it, we're put on earth for a reason, every one of us. And every one of us has a time slot that we live within. That time slot starting the day we come from our mother's womb and take our first breath to the end of days when we take our last breath here on earth. And in between the first and last breaths that we take it depends on we it depends on us on what we do not just to make ourselves look good know what we really do what really counts how we've used our time slot here on earth that God has given us Now we all know every one of us are sinners and God came down and sent his son down to die on the cross for we sinners past, present, and future. We know this. The Lord Savior Jesus Christ did this. 
all his trials and tribulations while he was on earth, all the pain and suffering he went through on the cross were for us, were for our children, were for future generations and all past generations. We know this if we're true Christians. We know that every one of us throughout our life, throughout our days on earth, have committed sins. We know this. Yet we pray to the Almighty that He look at us as a son of God or a daughter of God and helps us get through our trials and tribulations, helps us to get ourselves set up and ready to go when it's time wherever we're at in God's big beautiful world, when that time comes that we take our last breath. When we end up, as a lot of people joke about, at the gates of St. Peter. When we end up with Almighty God standing there, looking at us and, and going through what we've done throughout our life, good and bad, And all we can do as repentant Christians is continue to pray that we are worthy enough to go to heaven and be in the same company with our ancestors and in the same company with God. That is the hope of all Christians That is the hope of all who go to church as Christians. That is the hope of all Christians that prefer to make nature and wherever they're at their church. The hope being, like I said, that we, when we take our last breath, battered and scarred as we are, beat up as we are, things we've done in life, that are not kosher, if you will, with the way Christian religion has taught us that we've repented enough, we've helped ourselves get through those times, trials and tribulations, if you will, and join our fellow Christians in heaven. Now, we all have folks that have already passed on, And I know some of you out there have people that are suffering today from various diseases, ailments. We have people that died in the military on the battlefield. We have uh, people that are laying in bed probably in the next room from wherever you're listening to this radio show that are battling a disease. And we Christians know the power of prayer. We know it in our last hours, and we know it to help those individuals get through their trials and tribulations. Prayer is a very powerful tool that God gave us. And I would like to say right now, and I would like to take some time right now To ask Almighty God 
to bestow his blessings, to bestow his forgiveness and understanding on all we sinners out here on earth that occupy his big beautiful earth. All of us Christians who are suffering, physically or mentally or both, all of us Christians who have recently lost loved ones. All of us Christians who pray that someday we will arrive at those gates, those pearly gates, to live in eternity with our, our Father, God the Savior, the Holy Ghost, the Son of God, we pray those things to Jesus Christ, our Savior. We pray those things to God that He will look down upon us and help us through. Help us through our trials and tribulations here on earth. Amen. Now, patriots, I said about a month ago, about a month and a half ago, I think now, that Gary Gatehouse was kind of sitting in a chair by himself one day. And I've always been a political animal. I've always been into politics. I've always been into conservative politics. I've always been into trying to get the truth out to those who would want to listen. But about a month, a month and a half ago, it came to me out of the clear blue sky that I could tie in my Christian religion along with politics. I could show Christians and America that what impacts on us via Congress, via the world, good or bad, our Christian religion is always there. Our, our Christian religion has always been there. God has always been there. And politics helps me, Gary Gatehouse, enforce that statement. I try to use shining the light of truth on those that would want to harm us, destroy us, do away with our country, our religion, our families. I try to bring them out whether they be in politics, in entertainment, wherever. If they speak out against God, if they speak out against our country, if they are in politics at the national level, the state level, the county, the city level, if I can dig out the story, if I can comment on it, whatever that story may be, I can tie it in to the impact, either negatively or positively, on we Christians, we Americans here in this country and abroad. In Europe, in England, United Kingdom. Now I know that there is a big secularist movement in my country, America. And I know it is that speaking with individuals in the UK, same there. I know there's a big movement in this country to spit on Christians, literally. To deny they even exist or even have a right to speak out. To impugn them. To make fun of them. To persecute them. To browbeat them. 
Not just ordinary people doing that, but the media, Congress, the Rainbow House, which used to be known as the White House, and that individual that sits in the White House, the Rainbow House, uses every opportunity to demean the Christian religion. Every opportunity he has. Now, we were talking on Wednesday's show about his trip coming up to Kenya. And I played you a little cut at the end of the show from a Kenya person that spoke out and said a, sent a word, a public word, if you will, to Barack Hussein Obama Jr. de Sissi. And he told Obama, America is not God. Your word is not God. Don't come to our country, son of Kenya. That's what he called Obama, son of Kenya. Don't come to our country and start preaching your homosexuality to us because we're going to tell you to leave. We're going to tell you to shut up and leave. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it. And like I said on my show Wednesday, we ought to just sit back and see how Obama responds to this. Being the narcissist and secularist and Islam lover he is, well, let's just see how he reacts to not being able to go over uh, flying the flag of the rainbow flag in Kenya. Not being able to speak out for his homosexual brothers and sisters here in America and trying to get their movement inserted into Kenya. Not trying to speak Christian values, but he will go, like he does many times, I would assume he will say, everything that Christians would cringe hearing what he what, what comes out of his mouth. He's not a true Christian. Obama is not a true Christian. Oh yeah, he says he is, but he's not. You don't have to look any further than his actions, his deeds, and how he speaks and talks about Christians. Clinging to our Bibles and guns, us hillbillies, us rednecks. You've heard him say that. You've seen examples of Obama giving a speech, say, at Georgetown University. And in the background where his speech was to be given... There was a picture of Jesus Christ. He ordered it covered or removed. He did not want that in the picture with him there in the same setting. And Georgetown University, being Catholic, complied with Obama. There is a prime example of the Christian religion bowing down to evil. There is a prime example of Christians not standing tall and speaking out and telling Obama, if you want to give a speech in our house, if you want to give a speech in Georgetown University, and you want to give a speech about whatever, we are not taking the picture of Jesus Christ down or the rendering thereof just to appease your evil ways. We're not going to do it. They had that opportunity but they bowed to evil. They gave opportunity. They threw it away. It could have been a footnote on Fox News for at least a couple of days 
where Christians stood up to the secularist Obama. But it never happened. It never transpired. They gave in. And so many cases of incidents like this are prevalent in the news throughout Obama's tenure in the Rainbow House, the White House. It seems that he can speak about Christians at will, speak bad things about them, and nobody stands up and contradicts what he says. Nobody speaks up for the Christian religion. No preacher, no man of the cloth, no priest, no rabbi. Nobody stands up and speaks out for Judeo-Christian beliefs. Oh yeah, we're coming around a little bit now because of this homosexual same-sex marriage thing. And the Supreme Court's That was a black day. That was a black day in America. When those people in those black robes looked at the American people, 80% strong Christian, and told them what you believe makes no difference. Makes no difference. What this man and this small contingent of people over here believe, the secularism, the debauchery, and the perversion, and the lifestyle, That's who we're signing on with. And for some reason, it was that incident, that legislation from the Supreme Court bench, that finally woke up the clergy of America. You know, God has... God has very... wondrous ways on how He works. Hallelujah, He does. One can look at that legislation from the bench of the Supreme Court and say, first of all, it was illegal. Secondly, it woke a lot of people up in America. Thirdly, the clergy of America are finally standing up for the Christian religion. Maybe that's got what God had intended, to light a fire under their keisters, to get them going. Just as God, when he, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, went into the temple and he seen the money changers in there making a profit off selling whatever paraphernalia to the worshippers inside the temple, he threw them out. Threw them out on their keister and he says, you don't do this in my, in my father's house. You do not do this. Leave. And, uh, He has ways that a lot of us don't understand. He has ways of doing things to protect the Christian folks of the world that we do not understand. I'm going to give you one example before we leave or take a break here for the Fox 5-Minute News coming up on the hour. Way back in 1812, this is a little history slash Christian religion believe in God moment on the Gary Gatehouse Friday radio show. Way back in 1812, the War of 1812 was going on. It was in it was in high gear. And the British Army was kicking butt and taking names. It was the second time that we had fought the British on our soil. 
and they'd come back with vengeance. They came back with all the modern day technology at that time, and they were hell bent on taking back what they deemed theirs. That war, that revolution way back in 1776, well, we're going to rub your nose in it, America. We're going to take America back and put it back under the boot of the crown once again. 1812. And they were doing a darn good job of it. They were ransacking and burning Washington, D.C. down. They were burning the White House down. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, when they had the battle at hand, the final battle to drive the final nail in the coffin and the demise of the United States of America for the most part. And the British troops were all lined up ready to make that final move. A storm came up. A heck of a storm came up. And out of that storm, it spawned a tornado. And that tornado was such, fell upon the British with such furiosity that it scared them all the way back to their ships in the Potomac. It scared them completely to their bone, to their bones. They were scared to death. And they left. And that saved D.C. and it saved the country. The War of 1812. A tornado. A tornado was the final blow that saved the United States of America in 1812 from the tyranny and the boot of the crown of England. Now, if you don't believe me about that story, you can look it up yourself. How do you explain that? Oh yeah, your scientists are going to explain it away. They'll find all kinds of ways, just like the parting of the sea and all kinds of things and miracles that God has done over the centuries. They'll try to they'll try to explain it away scientifically. But we Christians know God works in mysterious ways. And we Americans know, we Christians know, we patriots know, that when the Declaration of Independence was written, when the Constitution was written, those men sat down to the desk, quill in hand, inkwell, dipped, dipped the quill into the inkwell, and starting writing on the, the parchment or signing their names, and we know every word that went into the construction of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution was written by men, put together by men who deemed themselves free. They had fought the battles. And they said, this is what we're going to be. This is what we want our country to be. This is what we want America to be from now on until the end of time. And they wrote those words down. But when they were writing those words down, we couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. The hand of God was guiding them. The words they picked, the choice of words they used 
the values and the freedoms that they laid out were the freedoms that God gives every human being. They put them to words. God was guiding them all the way. And if you think about all the times America, all the trials and tribulations we've had as America, as Americans, as a people, as a country, the Great Depression, World War One, World War Two, sent our sons and daughters to foreign lands to fight for them against tyranny, just to name a few things that have transpired in history, American history. We've had our good moments, we've had our bad moments. Slavery being one of them, in the beginning. But what other country tried its damnedest and best to put that behind them? America has worked diligently, sometimes being dragged along. But we have worked diligently as a people, black, white, Asian, whatever, to erase that big, bad smear on our history, on our people, on our country. And I think we've done a damn good job of it. Anytime there's been a world situation, not just wars, natural catastrophes, whatever, America has been there pouring out its money, its treasure, its resources, sending the experts, sending the people there, the motivated people to help in the times of tsunamis, whatever. America has always been there. People throughout the world that where I traveled as a person who was serving my country, either in the military or as an intel operative, the people that I come in contact with in those countries respected America, loved America, loved the American people. Not what Hollywood says, the ugly American whatever. Every country has those ugly people. But America was and still is the shining city on the hill. Regardless of what some people say it is. This is Gary Gatehouse, and you're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Friday edition, Anything Goes. We'll be back after the Fox 5-Minute News for the second hour. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Gary will be back after the Fox 5-Minute News break. Fox News Radio 1, Bill Vitka. You know, I am 44 years old. I never thought I'd see this moment. I stand here with people that never thought that they would see this as well. It's emotional for us. The Confederate flag comes down Friday morning. It's being removed after more than 50 years on the Capitol grounds in South Carolina. Governor Nikki Haley signing into law historic legislation. I saw passions get high. I saw passions get low. But I saw commitment never ending. And so what we saw was another action. And that action is that the Confederate flag is coming off the grounds of the South Carolina State House. 
Haley signed the bill with nine pens, one for each of the families who lost a loved one in the June 17th shooting at a black church in Charleston. The stars and bars will be lowered in a solemn ceremony. Its new home is a nearby museum. At the Iran nuke negotiating table, they are virtually certain to miss the latest deadline, which is Friday. The U.S. is accusing Tehran of an unwillingness to make critical political decisions. We are not going to sit at the negotiating table forever. We also recognize that we shouldn't get up and leave simply because the clock strikes midnight. Secretary of State John Kerry, what the U.S. says about Iran, Iran says about the U.S. that it is Washington that is backtracking. Also on Thursday, Iranian President Rouhani met Russian President Vladimir Putin in Russia and called for ramping up cooperation on things military and nuclear. A ban on abortions after 20 weeks will be signed into law by Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker. Under the bill, there are no exceptions for sexual assault or incest. Former 49er Ray McDonald has been charged with a domestic violence felony. He was arraigned in San Jose, accused of assaulting his former fiancée as she held their infant son. You're listening to Fox News Radio. Fair and balanced. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I opened a 401k. So you're giving up. Just like that. Giving up on what? I'm getting an inheritance from a distant relative. Don't you think if there were a billionaire in the family, we'd know about it by now? Listen to me. We are one phone call away from riding horses on our own private polo grounds. One call from christening yachts, having a butler using summer as a verb. How do you figure? Look, everyone's got a rich uncle somewhere. It's statistics. So the best thing you can do is just prepare for the inevitable. Right. Which is why I thought maybe it would be smart to take control of my finances. You know, start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some retirement goals. Budgets? Debt? You watch your mouth. Retirement shouldn't be a goal for us. It should be a way of life. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Republican Party to Donald Trump. Tone it down. In a post on Twitter, Donald Trump claims GOP leader Reince Priebus said he hit a nerve and is doing well. The Washington Post reported that Priebus had the conversation with Trump in an effort to get him to reel in his comments on illegal immigrants from Mexico. If he did, it appears to have had zero impact. Here's Trump on NBC. Mexico doesn't want people. They're forcing them into our country, and we're taking them, and we're putting them in our jails and our hospitals. Trump says he and Priebus spoke for 10 minutes, not close to an hour, as reported by the Post. Fox Radio's Rachel Sutherland. The number one frontrunner when it comes to a campaign war chest is Jeb Bush. He and his allies have raised more than $114 million in six months. Pope Francis is in Bolivia, and it's there he had an apology, a mea culpa for colonial-era atrocities against indigenous peoples committed in the name of God. Many Bolivians and faithful from neighboring Latin American countries camped out in the center of Santa Cruz to be at mass with Pope Francis. Maria drove 16 hours from Argentina but had no credentials and could not get into the mass area. She complained only the rich and politicians got in. During the mass, Pope Francis spoke of the need for inclusion, of avoiding a throwaway culture. Francis will meet with workers' cooperatives and grassroots groups representing the poor. In Bolivia, Courtney Walsh, Fox News Radio. Shepard Ferry is a celebrated graffiti artist. He created the iconic Obama Hope poster. Now he's been arrested in L.A., charged with vandalizing 14 different properties in Detroit. The Motor City has been cracking down on graffiti as part of a larger campaign against blight. 
but Ferry says he had been hired to do a mural in the city. Commissioned or not, he spent a night in the clink in L.A. Monday, and he's facing up to five years behind bars. Talks are underway between Detroit and Ferry about when he will come to town to face the charges. Bill Fitka, Fox News Radio. Looky here, a new listener. Hey, this ain't your little sister's radio station. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Yeah, welcome back to the second hour of the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Friday edition. You know, uh, during the break, I was uh, up there on Facebook looking around and uh, looking at all the things that folks are posting up here on Facebook and then I took a little brief uh, time out and went up on Twitter and posted a couple of things under an anonymous name. I'm not going to tell you what it is. And by the way, if you want to come up and visit Gary Gatehouse on Twitter, you can do so by, you can type in, when if you have an account with Twitter, you can type in the letters G-A-L-N-E-T-W-R-K-G-A-L Network, and that'll take you to Gary Gatehouse's website up there on Twitter. Drop by. Have a look around. All you conservatives, all you patriots worldwide are welcome to stop by, make a comment, whatever you want. Join up, sign on, become a friend of Gary's, whatever you want to do. Follow Gary. I would appreciate that. I would appreciate that. And I'm always looking for a big howdy from anybody from anywhere in the free world that is all hell-bent on taking their country back. Let me know what you think and what's going on in your country. Maybe we can talk back and forth on Twitter. Who knows? You know, ladies and gentlemen, one of the hot topics today right now is Hillary Clinton has told a lie. Should that be news? Hillary Clinton telling a lie? Should that really be national news? I mean, I don't think the lady's ever told the truth. And I use the word lady very, very loosely. I don't think she's ever told the truth. She's lied constantly from the time she left college while she was in college. She lied to the uh, families of the fallen at Benghazi. She lied to their faces as they were bringing those flag-draped coffins off that C-5. She stood there with a sober look on her face, her and the commander in chump, Barack Hussein Obama Jr., the silver-tongued devil, the Saul Alinsky pupil from the south side of Chicago, the community organizer, the attendee of Reverend Wright's hate honky church. She stood there side by side with them, their hands over their heart, very sober, wearing their black attire, and lying, shaking hands and bowing down and saying some niceties to the families that lost loved ones in Benghazi, and lying to them, point blank. Then lied to the American people, lied to the world about some stupid video being the cause of what happened at Benghazi. Well, again, as uh, that heathenistic preacher from Chicago once said, that chickens have come home to roost, Hillary. It looks like Hillary Clinton has been caught red-handed telling a lie after claiming in an interview that she had not received a subpoena for her emails. Well, Representative Trey Gowdy from South Carolina, chairman of the House Select Committee on Benghazi, has just released the subpoena. Just released it. 
that he sent to former Secretary of State on March 4, 2015. Gowdy did that in direct response to her lies and her inaccurate claims as the the people of Congress would like to put it in all its nicety. They don't like to use the word lie. They do not like to use it for some reason. So they said in response to her inaccurate claim, she had not been subpoenaed. This is according to a statement released by the committee. And it was released on Wednesday. The statement said, and I quote, The committee subpoenaed Clinton directly after it became aware of her exclusive use of personal email and a server that the State Department was not the custodian of Clinton's official record. The committee has issued several subpoenas, but I have not sought to make them public, said Mr. Gowdy. I would not make this one public right now, but after Secretary Clinton lied and claimed the committee did not subpoena her, I have no choice in order to correct (laughs) that inaccuracy. You see, even the people on the right, even the people on the right who know it is a bold-faced lie that this woman told to the world in an interview, are afraid to use the word lie, L-I-E. They, they call it an inaccuracy. They call it uh, uh, some other word. Uh, she misspoke or whatever. It's a lie, Congressman Gowdy. Can you say it's a lie? Can you say she lied to you and the American public? Can you say that, Representative Gowdy? How hard is it to say it? Is it because you and the Republicans don't ever want the right, the left, to come back at you and say that you lied on some issue or some statement? Is that what it's all about? I'll scratch your back. You scratch mine. Don't ever call me a liar and I won't call you one. Congressman Gowdy, Republican Party, it's about time you take off the kid gloves with this woman. It's about time you take off the kid gloves. Get out from underneath your beds. Get out from underneath your desk. Stop sucking your thumbs. Stand up. Get a damn spine. And call what she said for what it is. It's a lie. It's not an inaccuracy. That was something that the media would like to say it is. That's why they go hand in hand with both parties. They know they'll never use the word lie when describing one of their counterparts when they make a statement, etc. They will never call them a liar for what they are. Now, the committee immediately subpoenaed Clinton personally after learning the full extent of her unusual email arrangement with herself and would have done so earlier if the State Department or Clinton had been forthcoming that the State Department did not maintain custody of her records and only Secretary Clinton herself had her records when Congress first requested them. Uh, Excuse me, Hillary, can uh, can you send over your... uh, Emails, please. I'm gonna call you a liar or anything. Just, just send them over. We, we please. Just you, you can send them over, and we, we'll, we'll try our best to make it look good for you. 
But you know the fact remains, despite when this subpoena was issued, Secretary Hillary Rotten Clinton had a statutory duty to preserve records from her entire time in office. And she had a legal duty to cooperate with and tell the truth to congressional investigators requesting her records going back to September of 2012. This is all Mr. Gowdy talking. Yet despite direct congressional inquiry, she refused to inform the public of her unusual, her unusual email arrangement. The information only came to light because of a select committee request, not a voluntary decision to turn over records almost two years after leaving office. Records which always should be, should have been in state's custody. Mr. Gowdy, you're a lawyer. You know that people like Hillary Rotten Clinton, also a liar uh, and a lawyer, you know damn well they're going to song and dance, sidestep, drag their feet, whatever it takes to drag it out to a point where America forgets about it. You know that. You know she's broken the law numerous times. Why isn't she in custody? Why isn't she in jail? If an American citizen done what she has been doing over the last 35 years, they would be in prison and the key would have been thrown away. But not Hillary Rotten Clinton, not Bubba Clinton, that whole darn corrupt individual and individuals that call themselves the loving Clintons. The Clintons who really care about America, they are all liars, Mr. Gowdy. Along with the State Department and the Rainbow House, which used to be known as the White House and the individual that operates it, and the Democrat Communist Party, they are all liars. You know this. Get a spine. Get some balls, Mr. Gowdy. Stand up and call it for what it is. It's a bald-faced lie, Mrs. Rotten Clinton. You lied to us and the American people. But Mr. Gowdy goes on. Moreover, the timing of the Secretary's decision to delete and attempt to permanently destroy emails is curious at best. What? is curious at best. Can't you come up with any other wording than that? Moreover, the timing of the Secretary's decision to delete and attempt to permanently destroy emails is curious at best. Moreover, the timing of the Secretary's decision to delete and attempt and uh, Attempt to permanently destroy emails is against the law. She has broke the law. That's the way it should be. Not curious at best. The secretary left office in February of 2013. By her own admission, she did not delete or destroy emails until the fall of 2014 after the whistle had been blown. She had destroyed state's evidence. Another law broken. She destroyed this, these emails in the fall of 2014, well after this committee had been actively engaged in securing her emails from the Department of State. 
For 20 months, it was not too burdensome or cumbersome for the secretary to house records of her personal server, but mysteriously, in the fall of 2014, she decided to delete and attempt to permanently destroy those same records, concluded Representative Gowdy. How many laws did she break? How many felonies did she commit? How many laws did she break against we the people, Mr. Gowdy? Can you spell that out for us? You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, when we talk about when we talk about the House of Representatives being in control by the Republican Party, what does that really mean? What does that mean to the average Mr. and Mrs. Joe Sixpack in America? What does that mean to the average conservative Tea Party member in America? What does that mean to we patriots here in America? Don't worry, Boehner says, McConnell says. We are in control. We have the House of Representatives, and you went along with what we said in 2014, and you gave us the Senate, and what we promised we said we would do, well... We'll get to that later, maybe. In the meantime, we've got so many things on our plate that we've got to do to, I don't know, kind of help Obama along, kind of help the Communist Democrat Party along, kind of help progressive progressives along. We just don't have time for we the people right now. Congressman Gowdy, I've watched you over the years. I've watched you and sometimes look absolutely as a superstar on the Republican side of the aisle. I've watched you stand up and your star was shining as bright as it could be. But i also seen some dark sides of you as well. i also seen you kissing the feet of Boehner. i also seen you back out when there was a chance to get rid of Boehner. i also seen you hide in the back benchers when all of this was going on to remove Boehner, and never said a word, but stood by him in the end, and still support him, never say a bad word against him, never say a bad word against McConnell, and never say a bad word in the truisms of lawyering up, being a lawyer, and doing all your song and dance shows, and dog and pony shows, to appease all the people that rule over you in Congress, to appease the media, you don't want to cause any ripples in the pond by calling a lie for what it is. You don't want to lay out to the American people all the felonies that Hillary Rotten Clinton has committed, all those folks in the State Department have committed by covering up her atrocities. You don't want to put that out in plain English for Americans to understand, do you, Mr. Gowdy? Do you? Hell no, you don't. Because you see in the end, Mr. Gowdy, you are no better off, you are no more a superstar than John Boehner or McConnell or any other of that bunch of progressives up there that call themselves Republican leaders. You're in bed with them. And you're scared to death to use terms and descriptions that the American people will understand, like the word felonies and crimes against we the people. You won't use those terminologies and words, will you, Mr. Gowdy? 
Oh, you've got your hoodwinked operation up in high gear. You've got a lot of people on the right fooled. You've got a lot of people in the Tea Party fooled. You, They think they buy into what you're saying. Stepping, sidestepping around the issue. Not using words that Americans, the average Mr. and Mrs. Joe Sixpack, can understand and equate to. Misspoken. Mistakes. You never use the word lie or liar. You see, ladies and gentlemen of America, moms and dads, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, and all you folks that live in England, all you folks that live in the UK, all you folks folks that live in Europe, all you folks that live down under, down in uh, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, up in the icebox, when it comes to leadership in America, it's no different than yours. It's no different than in England, Mr. Cameron and his bunch of lousy dolts. It's no different than the leader of Germany. And all her glorious Islamic bowing down. It's no different. It's the same everywhere. Politicians never want to tell we the people. Regardless of the truth, they will never spin it that way. They will always spin it in a toned down, more civil version. So fellow lawyers can understand it. They learned all this crap in lawyer school. They learned to song and dance and do, uh, dog and pony sh show their way all the way to the top of whatever respective laws or lawyering up they wanted to do. And they use it against we the people in whatever country they represent. No, Mr. Gowdy, I don't buy into what you're saying. I don't buy into your actions. Sure, you serve subpoenas. And sure... Hillary Rotten Clinton and the State Department thumbed their nose at you, and you did nothing else. You did nothing else, Mr. Gowdy. You did not tell the American people the truth. You did not use words and terminology that the American people could equate to what is going on in the State Department, in the Rainbow House, better known as the White House, where Barack Hussein Obama Jr. DeSissy and his tyrannical cabinet runs operation 24 hours a day on how we can hoodwink the American people in any given nanosecond. And Hillary Rotten Clinton and her husband Bubba traveling around with the perverts and pervert island. None of this stuff is ever spoken so the American people can understand in plain spoken words and terminology. Is it? No, it isn't. You know where you can get off, Mr. Gowdy, as far as the Gary Gatehouse radio show. We got your number. We got your number. We know who you are. And I know there's going to be a lot of people on the Tea Party and the Republican side who just buy into your rhetoric and buy into your sainthood, I guess, that they bestowed on you as someone who speaks for the people. I know a lot of them are probably going to turn me off when they hear this. I don't care. I would rather everybody turn me off than to sit up here and lie for you, Mr. Gowdy. Or to sit up here and color over what you really mean, but you won't say it. Or what you really say, but really don't mean it. This is Gary Gatehouse with the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Friday edition. A bit pissed off right now. 
as you can tell. But oh hell, that's just the way Gary is, right? You're right, that is. The preacher of conservatism, telling the truth, telling it like it is to the average Mr. and Mrs. Joe Sixpack, not all you song and dance, limp-wristed, I don't give a damn, who cares, liberals and progressive, and yes, some Republicans. I don't care about you people. Because you don't give a damn about your country. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after a few short messages. You're tuned in right now to Dogs of War Radio. You gotta take care of Texas, it's the only one we got. If you're well up and love up or down and looking by, you gotta conserve water, keep the air clean. Take care of Texas, don't you know what I mean, y'all? Kevin Fowler here. Texans take great pride in keeping our air clean. Visit TakeCareOfTexas.org and take the pledge to help keep it that way. We'll send you a free Texas State Park Guide. You gotta take care of Texas, it's the only one we got. Sponsored by the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality. I had PTSD. Once I was back from Iraq, I was distant from everybody in my family. We had a reunion of our unit, and you'd hear these spouses say, is your husband doing that? My husband's doing that too. I thought it was just us. And really understanding that, hey, this is a common experience. I learned more to listen to what he was saying, and that made it easier for me to understand where his pain was coming from. Warriors should know that resources are available. Learn more at realwarriors.net. Gary Gatehouse, Friday. White wedding? I don't think so. Just the Gary Gatehouse radio show. <laughs> yeah. You know, folks, Comrade Obama, that would be Comrade Barack Hussein Obama Jr. DeSissi and all his minions have been at hard at work hard at work behind closed doors to further his socialist Marxist progressive cause. Now you remember when he told Joe the Pummer way back when he was campaigning in 2008 about how he we needed to spread the wealth around and we need to get the, oh I don't know, all you folks out there that might have a boat in your driveway and You've worked your tail off your whole damn life, whether you be Hispanic, white, black, or whatever. you worked your whole life to put yourself in a, a position where you could buy a nice home and a nice piece of property, and you've kept it up, and you've kept your house painted, and you've kept your grass manicured and paint and cut, and, and you've just made a nice, lovely-looking place for yourself and your family. Most Americans out there that bust their buns and work hard most of us capitalists, most of us people, we the people, that is our dream. That is what we want, and that is what we do at whatever level in society that we are stuck in or are at or whatever. We attempt to make our life as best as we can, and we all, all of us who really take pride, take pride in our homes, how they look, how our lawns are kept, Etc. Now, of course, you're going to have people that don't give a damn about that, and you'll see them with two and three cars stacked up in their front yard, and 
oh, I don't know, all kinds of stuff stewing around all over the place and not and their homes not up, kept up. You you see that everywhere. In any city, any town, any state. But for but for the most part, Americans take pride in ownership. And that's the key word here. Ownership. Americans take pride in it. Why? Because they've invested in it. How have they invested in it? Through hard work. Many people, I remember when my father and mother bought their second home, and they moved, had to move 300 and some miles to do it, and they bought their second home, and they moved us all down there to the second home. They took such pride in that. And they took such pride in the fact that what they had done and strived to do over the years and what they wanted to achieve, they finally reached it. But down the road of peace, that all fell apart. My father lost that job and we had to move back to our original home. And my father looked at that house and he told my mother, now this is the original house we raised these kids in and we're going to finish raising them in and it's not going to look like it was or is before we left to go to our new home but we had to leave. And that man worked Two jobs, and he would come home at night and work sometimes till midnight. Extending that house, putting in two bedrooms, putting in a, another bath, and putting in a front porch, and getting the yard all uh, shaped and squared away. And he borrowed money to do it. I remember as a kid, me and my brother helping him, packing bricks and packing rocks and cement bags and stuff and pushing wheelbarrows to help him the best we could. He took pride in everything he did, just like most Americans do. Why? Because he had blood, sweat, and tears involved in that house, invested in that house. He lost the house of their dreams because the job went away. He came back and started almost from scratch again. But he didn't let that get him down. He didn't ask for any handouts. He didn't ask for HUD or anybody else to come help him over a hump. He didn't ask for a comrade whoever to come and help him or help my mom or us kids over a hump. We didn't take any assistance as they called welfare back then. We worked our asses off even as kids. We all had a vested interest in that house. The way it looked. And we kept it looking good. Now comes along Comrade Obama. The Obama administration's long-awaited new housing regulations came out this last Wednesday, giving the federal government more tools to make sure neighborhoods around the nation aren't developed and populated in racially segregated manners. There's that word again. Racially The rules issued under the Department of Housing and Urban Development are supposed to put a stop to segregated living patterns and racially or ethnically concentrated areas of poverty, HUD said. How it works is HUD will give local communities, now listen to this, all you folks out there that have a vested interest in the homes that you worked hard to make look good, All you blacks, all you whites, all you Asians, all you Hispanics that worked hard to make your homes look good. Listen to this. 
How it works is HUD will give local communities information on how to prevent and address perceived segregated housing areas and offer grant money, your money, my money, grant money to address the situation. The grant money could then be used to help diversify the neighborhoods and expand equal access to opportunity for all Americans. HUD Secretary Julian Castro, a comrade in, in, uh, in the act, Julian Communist Castro, a product of San Antonio, was the mayor of San Antonio, a damn flaming communist that Obama seen as somebody he could use as a tool, and he put him as Secretary of HUD, Housing and Urban Development. Now, as you know, probably by his name, Julian Castro is a Hispanic person. His mother was one of the founders of La Raza. Her mother is his mother is one of the is the person who said about the Alamo that it was nothing but a bunch of white drunks that died there. Mrs. Castro said that, yes. Founder, one of the founders of the Hispanic radical group La Raza in bed with the DNC, in bed, with the media, La Raza. Many, many people from La Raza go up and lobby Congress every day. Now they have a man, Julian Castro, all the way from San Antonio to Washington, D.C., Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. And he said this, Unfortunately, too many Americans find their dreams limited by where they come from, and a zip code should never determine a child's future. The important step will give local leaders the tools they need to provide all Americans with access to safe, affordable housing in communities that are rich with opportunity. Didn't they try that once before? Didn't they try that once before, and it almost destroyed the banking industry when the government... The federal government came down with the auspices of people like Barney Frank and others in the, in the Democrat Party passed laws that said you have to give low interest, very low interest loans to people that can't afford those loans so they can buy homes that they can't afford to pay for and the people and the banks went along with it and it almost destroyed the banking industry. That's one of the utopian ideas of a communist regime anywhere in the world that they can do away with poverty by taking from some and giving it to others. That's one of their dreams, and it's never worked out, ever. But here in America, the Communist Democrat Party says, oh, not so fast. We're the American Communist Democrat Party. We have plans. We know how to operate this. Joe Stalin and his boys, well, they tried, but they were just uh, they were just junior varsity. We're the varsity of communism. And we're no we know how it's going to work. Because we you see we have control. We have control of the American people. We've dumbed them down to a point where they don't know crap from whatever. We've dumbed them down where they couldn't find their ass with both hands. We've dumbed them down to react to what we say in a positive manner, whether it be a lie or the truth, which we never speak. 
They react in a positive manner. So we are going to step in and tell them. Here you said in a zip code that you don't like because it has substandard housing. You haven't the education to raise yourself out of poverty, which we've been, the American people have been trying to do for decades for you. Affirmative action and spending trillions of dollars to try to get your ass out of poverty and it hasn't worked. It's got worse. But here, communist, fellow comrade Julian Castro says we're going to get some affording housing in communities and we're going to put people there that just can't afford it and we're going to provide them with this these uh, houses in communities that are rich with opportunity. Oh yeah, that, uh, that opportunity in those communities just happened overnight. You didn't build that. Somebody else did. You didn't create that job or business. Somebody else did. Speaks Comrade Obama. You know America, like I said, whether you be black, white, Hispanic, Asian, and you busted your buns and worked every day to make a success of yourself, and you bought a home in a community that was rich with opportunity, you went to school, you sacrificed, you didn't ask for handouts, you had goals that you established and you busted your buns to achieve those goals. And you can walk out of your house and walk out into the street and look back at your house. A nice shiny looking house with a beautiful lawn and maybe one or two cars sitting there. Maybe a boat. Maybe a nice backyard where your kids can play with their dog. And you can look at all that and you can say to yourself, my wife and I, we did this. We didn't ask for any help. We rolled our sleeves up early in life after we got married. And we did this. The government didn't do this for us. The government didn't pro- provide me any opportunities. I went out and created my own opportunities. You know, ladies and gentlemen, it's about time you folks, we folks, us folks, here in America who have achieved the dream, not because somebody gave it to us, because we worked our asses off to get it. It's about time we stand up to this socialist, Marxist, communist, progressive message that is being spewed out of the mouth of Hillary Rotten Clinton, Barack Hussein Obama Jr. de Sissi, the Communist Democrat Party, the Republican progressives, and the likes of Julian Castro. Now, he's not speaking for all America. He's speaking for one ethnic group. Plain and simple. But you know, ladies and gentlemen of America, Obama, throughout his tenure in the Rainbow House, what used to be known as the White House, throughout his tenure up there, he has used the agencies of the federal government through executive order to circumvent Congress, circumvent we the people, circumvent the Constitution, circumvent America, to do what he damn well pleases. He told us a long time ago that change was coming back in 2008. I am fundamentally going to change America. He told us that. 
Look around, America. Listen to what he's saying about the house of your dreams that you worked so hard for. Julian Castro says, unfortunately, too many Americans find their dreams limited by where they come from, and a zip code should never determine a child's future. A zip code? I was born before zip codes. Mr. Castro, I was born in a dirt poor neighborhood that was occupied by blacks, whites, and Hispanics. The people of that neighborhood didn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. And I look back now at all that we'd had and didn't have. None of those people complained. None of those people complained about not having their dreams limited. They went out and made their dreams come true. They didn't need HUD or some comrade like Julian Castro or some lion chief chump that lives up in the rainbow house, the limp-wristed, stiff-necked, pencil-necked, lop-eared individual that calls himself the president tell us that he's going to provide those dreams for us. We had none of that. The people who provided those dreams and helped us along were our parents and their parents. Tell you a little story before break. When I was a little kid, we lived, like I said, in a house that had a front room. That's what they called it, a front room, because it faced the street. We had one bedroom, my mother and father's. We had one bathroom, and the only way you could get to that bathroom was to go through my mother and father's bedroom to the bathroom. Now, we were so poor. There was my brother, myself, and my sister. I slept on an army cot that was my dad got from the Salvation Army. It was a wooden army cot. It said U.S. on the end of the, I guess what you'd call a headboard. And I slept with my bed up against what used to be a door that went out in what used to be a porch. That's where I slept. All my clothes were in cardboard boxes. All my clothes that were given to me by my cousin, whose parents were just a little bit more well-off than I was. My sister slept in another part of the room with a curtain around it because she was a, a girl. She had a bit of privacy. And she slept on a, bread that my, a bed that my grandmother gave us. My little brothers slept on a couch that my aunt and uncle gave us that pulled out into a one-person bed. You walk from that area into the kitchen where there was a dining room table. And I don't know where that came from. Then you walk out of the kitchen onto a little back porch. That was our house. In the wintertime... It didn't only snow on the outside of the house, it snowed on the inside of the house, through the cracks around the windows. It was so cold that the ice formed around the edges of the windows. Our house was heated by a coal stove down underneath the house, dug out by my father. Just an area big enough for a stove or a furnace or whatever you want to call it. I remember one winter 
My father didn't have a job. There were no jobs to be had. And when he did it, did finally get a job, he was shoveling salt off the back of a county truck onto the streets where the ice formed. That was his job. That was enough to bring home enough food to put on the table and pay the utilities sometimes. This particular time, he didn't have enough money, and my mother was sitting in the kitchen one cold winter day crying, and it was cold in the house, very cold. And she was crying, and we kids were getting ready for school. It was so cold that we couldn't wash. And we traipsed off to school, and it was warm in the school, nice and warm and cozy. When we came home, my mother was still sitting at the table in a house that was so much colder than it was when we left. Crying, saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have the money. And me being the oldest, I said, Mom, what's wrong? She said, I don't have any money to buy coal for the furnace. We don't have any money. Well, I went down to my grandmother and grandfather's house, which was about three houses down, and I told my grandma. I told her, Grandma, Mom's up in the, in the kitchen crying, and she's been crying all day because she don't have any money to buy coal, and it's cold in her house. And my grandma looked at me, he said, honey, you just go on and do what you want to do. Go play go play or whatever. I'll take care of this. So when my grandfather come, come home, he was a barber. My grandmother told my grandfather about what was going on at our house. Two hours later, a coal truck rolled up. Towards the end of the day, the sun was going down. The coal truck rolled up. And there was a big door at the side of our house that went down into that little hole where my dad dug out for the furnace. And they proceeded to shovel in, I don't know how many tons of coal or whatever it was they measured by, into that hole. And they left. And my father came home. And my mom said, My dad got us some coal. And my father started crying. He felt like he uh, wasn't a man because he couldn't take care of his family. But he went downstairs into that hole and shoveled the coal into the furnace. And within an hour or two, our house was nice and warm. I'll never forget that. They never ask for any help, but I did. It seems that Americans today <clears throat> have lost all touch with family support. And they depend on the government. They depend on communists like Obama and Julian Castro to be their mommies and daddies for them. When times get tough, they look to the government to help them out. Mommies and daddies, they don't count anymore. 
mommies and daddies are so undereducated, so under self-motivated, so I don't give a damn. I don't know what it is. They just, they don't know what to do, so they go to the government and ask the government to help them. Don't you people out there have family members that can help you? Why do you have to rely on the government? The government is up to no good. The government wants to own you from cradle to grave. They want to dictate to you. They want to be your mom and dad. And they've already established themselves in many communities throughout the United States as the mommy and daddy of as some ethnic groups and poor whites. Nobody helps anybody anymore. Nobody cares anymore. God didn't mean it to be that way. When we were poor as a kids growing up, there was always somebody there that we could help or they could help or we all could help. I remember when a neighbor died. They didn't have the money to bury him. The community came together and donated whatever they could and raised enough money to buy a coffin and a plot of land that was next to the communal burial area that the city provided and provided some flowers. The government didn't do that. We didn't ask them to do that. We did it as fellow Americans, fellow human beings, fellow Christians. The government is not Christian. The government is not Catholic. The government is the government. It's an innate object. But it can raise holy hell with America. It can claim to be the mother, the father, the provider. And it's not. It's just a bunch of people housed in a big white building. Spending our money that we send to Congress. It's not their money. They don't contribute one damn dime. The government only prints it. Americans. Black, white, Hispanic, Asian. Or the blood life of America. Not the government. This is Gary Gatehouse and we'll be back. We'll be back after a few short messages. God bless. Do you eat the same foods now that you did when you were a toddler? Of course not. We all mature, and so should our diet, and that means eating right at every age. This is Sylvia Escott Stump of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Certain foods offer vitamins and minerals for good health throughout life, especially in our golden years. For healthy bones, eat three servings a day of vitamin D fortified fat-free milk and other calcium-rich foods like dark green, leafy vegetables, and fortified cereals. Potassium can help prevent high blood pressure and is found in fruits, vegetables, milk, and yogurt. Foods with plenty of fiber can help prevent heart disease and type 2 diabetes and help you keep your weight down, especially fruits, grains, beans, lentils, and vegetables. Get information on healthy eating at any age and visit www.eatright.org. Encouraging you to eat right, I'm registered dietitian Sylvia Escott Stump with the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. 
One in 33 babies is born with a birth defect. But mothers-to-be can help give their babies a healthy start. This is registered dietitian Melissa Joy Dobbins for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics with your Eating Right Minute. There are some simple steps women can take to prepare for a healthy pregnancy. Take 400 micrograms of folic acid each day. Don't smoke or drink alcohol. And talk to your doctor about any vaccines or medications you take. Maintain a healthy weight gain during pregnancy. And if you have diabetes, keep it under control. Remember, make regular visits to see your healthcare professional. For help choosing foods during your pregnancy and after baby is born, see a registered dietitian. Encouraging you to eat right, I'm registered dietitian Melissa Joy Dobbins with the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Hey, you're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Friday edition. Coming to you on the GAL Network from South Texas. Gary Gatehouse, the preacher of conservatism, shining a light of truth on those who would want to harm our country. You know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, over the years, we've heard a lot of people on the Republican side step up to the microphone, step up in front of the television cameras, and kind of tell us, that Obama is breaking the law, telling us that Obama is breaking the Constitution, telling Obama is bringing people into the country illegally, telling us that uh, Obama is doing this and Obama is doing that, and he's played too far outside the uh, lines of being uh, legal, if you will. And we have another one there, and I love this guy to death. His name's is uh, uh, Louis Gomer, a conservative congressman, and uh, he's from uh, my home state of Texas. And he's talking about Obama and how the ICE people will not stand up in uh, the sanctuary cities and all that. And he's saying all kinds of things about how the Republican Party is standing up against all this. That's a lie. It is a lie, Louie, damn it. You know damn well that people in this country that are here legally are in the millions. And you know well, it's well over 11 million. He goes on to say, though, that individuals have been convicted of 79,000 crimes, including 175 homicides, 373 uh, sexual assaults, 186 kidnappings, 14,000 impaired driving offenses. You know, he's talking about illegals in this country and the crimes they've committed which the left denies and the media denies, and they call Donald Trump a a, a bigot and a racist for saying those things about Hispanics that are here illegally, about South Americans are here illegally, about Asians here illegally, about Eastern Europeans here illegally. And he says all this stuff, just like most of the people in the Republican Party say they know that Obama and they know that Hillary Clinton and they know that the Democrat Communist Party are are committing all kinds of crimes against the American people, have committed crimes against our Constitution, have committed crimes against not upholding their oath of office to securing our borders. Well, neither of you, Republicans. You haven't done it either. So, Louie, you can't talk at us both sides of your mouth. You can't do it, Mr. Gomer. You can't do it and expect to be somebody who's speaking the truth. 
You can't. And when you talk about Obama, and you talk about the Democrat Party committing all kinds of crimes against the American people by not honoring the Constitution and uh, enforcing its laws, say, in immigration. You know they're doing those things. You know these are felony offenses. And you know you have the grounds to impeach Obama, probably half of his cabinet, probably half of the Communist Democrat Party, the Supreme Court, and everybody else, but you will not stand up and do it. So, Mr. Gomer, Republican Party, don't don't be blowing smoke up America's backside unless you are willing to stand by what you say. Don't be making accusations against others that we know are true. Don't be making those accusations and saying you're doing all you can to alleviate and do away with and whatever to make things right. You're not doing it. You are not doing it. And America, it's about time we come to the realization, like I've said so many times on my show, we the people, we the people who care, we the people who honor the Constitution, the laws of our land, we the people who bust our buns every day to go the straight and narrow, earn a living, put food on the table for ourselves or our families or our kids and clothe and house them and feed them and get them educated. We are on our own. It's easy to spew words out of your mouth from the pulpit of Congress. It's easy to promise. It's easy to point the finger. But I'm here to tell you, Louie, I'm here to tell you, Gomer, Mr. Gomer, I'm here to tell you, Boehner and McConnell and Gowdy and the likes of you, you, your minions, I'm here to tell you, you people are no better than the people on the left. You're Democrat light. Quit trying to present yourself as somebody you're not. The only way you're going to prove to me, Gary Gatehouse, that you're somebody that stands for we the people is start making things happen. Start bringing these people on the carpet. Start throwing them in the slammer. Start impeachment proceedings. But I know that will never happen. I know that will never, ever happen. I know in the end, Hillary Rotten Clinton will never suffer one day in jail. I know this. If you can't call her a liar, what makes the American people think that they're going to bring her on the carpet, prosecute her for all the felonies she's committed against we the people, and throw her in the slammer? That will never, ever happen. This is Gary Gatehouse with the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Friday edition. Wishing you all well this weekend. Be careful, be safe. Say a prayer for your respective countries. You people in London, stay out of the pubs. Drinking that beer will make you go blind. (laughs) Until Monday, this is Gary Gatehouse saying, Good day. (laughs) 